midst. As we pick up the story in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be in Acts, um, through the summer, all this new life popping out that is so dramatic and so exciting. Just remember where we started last week, which we have 120 of the disciples, and they are sheltering in place in an upper room, and there's still danger out there. And so they're waiting and they're praying for the promise of the Holy Spirit. I just want you to imagine for a moment what you think they were hoping for. Probably not what happens. Listen to God's word, Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. That's quite the dramatic story, right? You got this loud, loud wind, powerful wind, these flames of fire, and the disciples are moved out of their safe place out into the streets of Jerusalem. This is the spirit that they inherited from Jesus. I'm becoming aware during this shelter-in-place time that I have inherited something from my father. He had what is called RLS, restless leg syndrome. Have you ever heard of it? Here's the definition. Restless leg syndrome, RLS, 
is a condition that causes an uncontrollable urge to move your legs, usually because of an uncomfortable sensation. It typically happens in the evening or nighttime hours when you're sitting or lying down. Getting up and moving around eases the unpleasant feeling temporarily. Thanks a lot, Dad. So I do have this, and for some reason, I've been noticing it more, disrupting my sleep uh, throughout this shelter in place. So I looked it up on the Mayo Clinic, which advises you don't try to suppress it. When you have this urge and your legs want to move, it doesn't really help if you suppress it, you need to move your legs, which means that I eventually have to get up out of bed and walk around, which is not exactly what I want to do. That's what I inherited from my dad. And I think we inherited from Jesus Christ RLS, not restless leg syndrome, I would call it restless love syndrome that moves us out, this almost irresistible urge, and you actually see it in who God is. God comes out of the heavens, restless to come and to meet us in our own language, speaking in the flesh to us where we are. You also see the same thing happening with these disciples. They are unable to stay put. They move out from that upper room into the streets of Jerusalem with this ability to speak about God's love to all these nationalities in their own languages. And I am sure that this is not what the disciples were praying for. This is not what they were asking for or even imagining and my guess, if we look at chapter 1, is that they were imagining God restoring the kingdom to Israel, that they were imagining, I'm sure, Jesus coming back because they were promised that he would return the same way that he left. So this is obviously not their idea. It is God's RLS, this restless leg, not leg, love syndrome. And it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable. And I think about the wind. And when we are in the midst of wind, it typically is uncomfortable, right? It moves things around. For sitting or walking and there's all this wind blowing, our hair is getting messed up. Sometimes our visor and our hat blows off. Sometimes our skirt blows in directions we didn't want. Sometimes our furniture on the patio blows over if it's strong enough. And you feel like saying, stop it. It moves things, and the Spirit is often described as a wind, right? In John 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus and says, the Spirit is like a wind blowing, birthing new things. And this new thing that's being birthed is this phenomenal ability to speak in other languages, which is a wonderful gift you can give someone who's somewhere from another location and not in their native place and not in their native tongue to have them hear God's love. How do you know my language? How do you know my people? Because they go together, right? My niece is going to Ireland this summer and planning on staying there for a while, and she's going to be taking a master's program studying their culture, and she's also applied to teach there. She is a teacher, and one of the requirements if you go to Ireland and uh, want to teach there is that you have to teach Gaelic, 
which is their native tongue, which they're trying to revive and make sure that um, it is not destroyed. And this is happening in a lot of places, right? Where native languages are almost being wiped out, but trying to save them like the Basque in Spain and the Maori in New Zealand. And it is a powerful thing when God's love is communicated in the culture, in the language of each person. Tina Torres is known to many of you. We've talked about how she and her husband have been called to Wycliffe work down in Mexico in Oaxaca. And that native tongue, among a native people that have also been mistreated and abused and colonized. And yet, now the New Testament, the Finnish uh, came for that translation in their native tongue. And it was so great to read about how exciting and powerful that was. Living there, learning and being with the people and honoring their culture and their tongue. This is the irresistible movement of God, the restless love syndrome, moving toward the other in ways that aren't necessarily our idea, but it's the prompting, moving us out. You hear these 15 nations mentioned in this passage, which symbolizes the whole world, including Cretans and Arabs, in directions that may be uncomfortable. And it's not even just about the languages in this passage, is it? Or other cultures. When we get into the Joel passage, it's about every single way that we might cocoon and want to stay safe in our group. We've got men and women, young and old, slaves and free. This is God's RLS. It won't let us just cocoon among our own, but it moves us out. And I think it's not easy, that it's uncomfortable, especially if you have been traumatized in any way. You want comfort. You don't want to have to move out. And there are ways that being with your own people and your own kind is important, is a comfort, is the very gift of God in our midst. But God doesn't let us cocoon there. And when I think about these disciples and what had just happened in their lives in the previous months, how traumatized they must have been how much they must have been wanting protection and familiarity and comfort from Jesus and from the coming of his spirit. I think we can relate to that because I think we all want comfort. In the midst of this virus and all the uncertainty and all the consequences of it, and it continues to unfold in ways that just seem to be more confusing, more uncertain, we're wanting comfort that the God who created all things is in control, is holding all things in this frightening time. And I think in general, people often come to church saying that they want comfort. I remember one person saying to me that all week long, during my day-to-day -day work life, I feel like all the pins are getting knocked down in my life. And I come to worship to get help to put them all back up again before the next week comes. I don't think God is comforting them or us in the way that we prefer. Not necessarily putting all those pins back up in the bowling alley of our lives. God's doing a new thing. God's doing a Jesus thing, giving us his spirit and this restless love syndrome and sending us out into this divided world, speaking the native tongue of each, bridging across the divide in Jesus Christ.
This last Tuesday, which was not a fun day for me, very hot day, it's probably 97 degrees in my condominium, and I had just had this incident of blowing out my calf, which some of you know about, which is why I'm standing here with one foot up. But during that day of just feeling completely drained, um, I was talking with a friend of mine, Heidi, and she was telling me about what had happened to George Floyd and said, you know, if you watch this video, it is just heart-wrenching. She started describing to me what had happened in his death, his killing um, with this man's knee on his neck. And the more she talked about it, I just thought, I have no energy for this. I have no, I have nothing extra to give to wander, not wander, but go into this horrific situation. And yet, God's RLS, restless love syndrome, was taking me there, whether it was comfortable or not, into this deep systemic sickness that is not just about George Floyd, is it? That's erupting into this horrible um, sequence of riots and killings. There is a deeper sickness entrenched in the beginnings of this country. And it made me think back to the beginnings of this church. The first pastor here, Ron Summerscales, when we celebrated our 50th anniversary in, let's see, when was that, 2005, and all the pastors who could come came back for that celebration, and he was able to come too, our very first pastor. And it was amazing to hear him talk about what was going on in San Carlos in the 50s when he was first here, which was this redlining where real estate agents would not show homes to black people, and mortgage lenders would not lend money to black people. And he protested and spoke out against it. The RLS of God's spirit was moving him out. And you can imagine how uncomfortable that made people in this city, in this church, because he was speaking up against this. Not the quote yet, um, but I was talking with the people in my small group. Hang on on that quote, okay, Drew? Um, okay. And we were remembering some of them who bought homes here um, a while back, and they noticed in the, in the title that they had to sign that there was um, a comment about, it was a covenant actually, that you would pledge not to sell your home to Orientals or Negroes. And the real estate agent told them, this is no longer in effect, it's just part of the history of this house, which horrified them and horrifies me. And as I was looking up covenants and these kinds of covenants and finding out more about them and some of the language, one of the places that was posted was about Minneapolis and how the covenant said, you will not sell your house to anyone of the, that is not of the Caucasian race and how that's formed and shaped Minneapolis to this day, and the segregation of resources. Is that ours? Is that where God's RLS spirit is taking us? Brett Whitman, who's a pastor in Sacramento, was writing this as he was posting about the death of George Floyd. He wrote, this is the fruit of years and years of nurturing white supremacy. This reckoning should be led by those who claim to follow Jesus. Major reformation in church history has a common question about who were real 
or awakened Christians. In the study, it was when love of God and love of neighbor meant justice for neighbor. Black and brown neighbors cannot continually be murdered, lynched, marginalized, traumatized, and tokenized. Real and awakened Christians should already know this and advocate for justice. What do you think? Is that the RLS, the restless love syndrome of God's spirit? Moving us as a church, certainly moving me, and realizing there's so much learning I have to do, there is a book that I want to read, and I'm wondering if any of you want to read it with me. It's titled White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin DiAngelo. Entering into the disciples' discomfort and moving toward the other. The Holy Spirit, Willie James Jennings writes, will break open what we want closed and shatter our strategies of protectionism. I want to just name ways that where I'm seeing the restless love syndrome of God's spirit at work in our midst recently. Many of you know Mindy Pierce, she's a nurse. She retired, but then she went back to help at Chope, um, the general hospital who really needed her help and discovered just all these supplies of, of masks that can't be used in that hospital. They're not up to that quality, but they can be used, these N95 masks and shields, and asked where they might go. And so we're finding that the St. Anthony's of Padua Dining Hall serving the hungry and St. Francis Center and Redwood High School serving the marginalized were all saying, yes, we need them, we need them. She wrote this email. These masks are going exactly to the right people. In San Mateo County, our hardest hit COVID-19 patients are those with the fewest resources, often living in crowded conditions where social distancing is not possible. Not to mention, they are often doing risky frontline work that puts them at risk. Thanks to everyone who has responded, and please let me know of any other needs. I'm so grateful to be a part of this compassionate Trinity community, and I will be in touch very soon. The wind of God's RLS spirit moving, moving out to other areas and peoples from whom we might be separate. Conversation with Rafael Avendano with the deacons this last week and talking about how he feels this electric spirit of connection and allyship with this church. We are the brown church, he said, where we are mutually hearing and speaking the native language of each. That is the RLS, Restless Love Syndrome of God's Spirit, moving out. Gerardo Garcia, who will be ordained in July and working um, as a chaplain at Stanford, not just with those who are patients there who speak Spanish, but also with the housekeeping staff, ending up that he has a ministry with them as well, the RLS, Wind of God's Spirit. And then Mark Stosher, helping those who are hoping to go to Albania in the fall, we'll see letting us know about some of the people that live in the house with his family, these orphans that they've taken in. And he was telling us about two of them, and I want to read this to you. These two sisters were walking by our church about 15 years ago when our daughter Abby, then nine years old, invited them in. No one wanted to sit near them as they are part of the Roma gypsy community and often looked down upon. Abby sat with them 
and they started becoming involved in our children's program. Several years later, an anonymous donor gave us $300 and asked us to use it to help them learn to read. They were not in school and didn't even know the letters of the alphabet. We hired a teacher from our church part-time, and Ruthie also worked with them to help them to learn to read, to write, do math. Fast forward to today, where one has taught herself English and reads Christian books all the time. The two of them are on our staff and help with the House of Hope, our home, and the Feliza after-school program each day. Both their parents have died, and they consider Ruthie and I their parents. The wind of God's Spirit moving us, often with much discomfort, in this restless love syndrome of God's Spirit, moving us out of our protected spaces into the native languages of all peoples, overcoming all divides. Where is that Spirit that work in us, in you, in me, in the places we want to protect and stay comforted and comfortable, and yet there's this nudging moving us out. Let's pray. Oh God, help us to be open and available for the kind of comfort, the kind of newness, the kind of healing you are bringing in and through each one of us, in and through your church, into this world so troubled, hurting so much, so desperate to know that healing can come in deep and abiding ways. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.